Hello, welcome again to Comic Connoisseurs. Tonight we're doing another Ramble episode. Of course, I'm my co-host, Jake from Saskatoon. Good evening. Also, this is Red Ink. What's up? So, it's the beginning of the year, and I don't know, are, is there anything exciting right now? It's uh, Some people are making a big deal about Superman getting raped in a comic book from a couple months ago. I know nothing about this. Nor do I. What? Apparently I... someone did a comic book where Superman is locked into a prison for eight months and gets raped. I think that's part of the current storyline in action comics where he's formed his own version of the Authority and he's gone off planet to liberate all of Mongol's slaves. But that's about as far as I really know. I have... I, haven't picked up any Superman comics in a minute here. I just kind of read recaps on CBR. How do you rape Superman? His butthole could crush your dick to diamonds. <laughs> I don't remember precisely, Red, but I'm fairly certain there was made mention that War World is currently powered by twin red suns or something like that. This is such utter bullshit. Like, let's not let's not make this an ep the episode let's just let, let's just address it and yeah. move on to the next thing because this doesn't require more than three minutes of time yeah no it's uh i mean of all the stuff i read last year uh, i spoke about it previously on the show was uh the current robin title where damien goes off to fight in a mortal combat like tournament and it's revealed by the end of the, at least the end of this first arc in the title, that the lady running the tournament, the the Shang Tsung of this fight is actually his grandmother. It's uh, like Rachel Ghoul's mother, who lives on this island that has this giant Lazarus pit, and it's been there so long that every inch of the island, basically, if you die there, you can't, you will come back and heal, and it's just glorious comic book nonsense which is why i highly recommend that title everyone kind of been dipping back into dc i've got out of it for except for batman i've gotten out of dc comics for the most part when you're dipping back in you know they're doing they got the new justice league incarnate which is focusing on the uh uh justice league that's formed from like multiverse heroes that you know spinning out of stuff like final crisis and you know the death metal uh crises which has been a lot of fun uh so it's 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 dc exiles is what you're saying dc what exiles mm, yeah that's that's not too f not exactly that but you're 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 it's in the ballpark i mean yeah, they have uh was it superman from earth 23 which is uh president superman uh, you have Aqua Woman. You have this Batman from uh, a world where you know the nuclear apocalypse happens. So he, he he's got like that Sprock this and Drog that sort of bad Judge Dread cursing. There's uh, this guy that runs the comm center in the Hall of Heroes is Dino Cop, which is very clearly uh, you know based on Savage Dragon. Uh, they even bring in this, they, they firmly established this world where there's the Revengers or the Retaliators, and it's basically, like, just slightly beyond R-rated Avengers type of characters, and them trying to stop Darkseid from bringing about the Great Darkness. So, I mean, DC's putting stuff out that I, you know, I, it's, I'm digging on it for you know, a variety of reasons. And if I swing back to Marvel, you know, I've still reading Spider-Man because I've always read Spider-Man. What they're doing right now with Peter getting nuked by the UFOs and in, in the hospital and potentially dying, which we know if that happens, that will last for all of five minutes or two issues. And Ben's currently being a corporate sponsored super, which I think is an interesting idea, but you know, see how that turns out. And how Sorry. do you poison Spider-Man with nuclear 
She, well, he's got radioactive spider blood. He's he has radiation resistance, not radiation immunity. Like if, like let's say on a one to ten scale, his his resistance is like a five. Yeah, and if I remember correctly, uh, it's uh, he walked into a blast between X-ray and ver- uh, vortex. Like, do you guys know the UFOs at all? But that's that's fucking bullshit because he has lasted five minutes against uh, Radiation Man. Comics, Ben. I'm just saying, fucking Radiation Man is a literal walking Chernobyl. And Spider Man's radiation resistance led him stay up to for five yeah, minutes. He's radioactive he... man, but he's not constantly putting out rads. They they have established that in the comics. But the point is, Peter's really sick. Uh, and other elements in the story, like does Aunt May still remembers the time that she was dating Otto Octavius, and so she goes and berates Otto into helping her nephew, and Otto is just like, okay, May, because. <laughs> Otto still loves May Parker. Uh, and also the Beyond Corporation that uh, is sponsoring Ben is currently in the process of legally and otherwise trying to get Miles Morales to stop using the Spider-Man name because they own the rights to it. And that goes back to a little, what I thought was an inconsequential inconsequential factoid from the superior spider-man where Otto actually uh copyrighted the name spider-man and when parker industries went out of business the beyond corporation bought you know everything so they now have the license so that's part of the story but the only other marvel comic that i'm currently reading right now is the avengers because jason aaron's been running with that and there's been other writers involved as well I just love the fact that they've turned the Avengers not into the Justice League, but they're finally operating more on that scale than they ever have before. Like their headquarters right now is the hollowed out corpse of a celestial in the North Pole. I so to to move the topic a little bit. Yeah. Um, um it the final numbers came out and Black Widow, the movie, has lost $600 million. Was that because of the loss? I read an article about that. Wasn't that tied into their lawsuit against Scarlett Johansson or something? It's tied into the fact that they uh, sat on it for a year and they did only a digital release when they finally did it in the stupidest digital release scheme I've ever seen. And, and just to reiterate the stupid digital release scheme that Disney had was, okay, let's say you pay, what is it, like $7 a month for Disney Plus or whatever it is, $12 a month, something like that. Um, less than a dollar a day. You too can own Disney Plus kind of bullshit. Um, so you do that. And then, oh, I have Disney Plus. I have all the perks. I want to watch Black Widow. Okay, that'll be 35 bucks. But, but I have Disney Plus. Yes, but you need 35 bucks to... To watch Black Widow, so it like obviously lots of people didn't watch it, and the in the ones in the, the vast majority that did watched the pirated one because when you have stuff on streaming, it's all in glorious 4K. So that was the first movie I saw in theaters since the lockdown happened. And I was glad to go to the theater because I wasn't going to be paying all that money to uh, Disney like that with the service. I mean, I know we talked about the film and I said it was okay. Like it was, it was just, it was okay. It was late. It was late. (laughs) Yeah. It was came out too late and that was the whole thing. But yeah, like Disney just doing that. Like, and they started that with the Mulan movie. Which is like, yeah, you can watch it on Disney Plus, but you have to pay an extra thirty dollars. It's like, why in the fuck would you expect people to do that? Like, not never mind the fact that people did that, and people were always going to do that because some people just can't be helped. But like for an extra ten bucks on your monthly bill, like that, I would think is reasonable. Fifteen maybe, but you guys basically charged 
twice as much as what most people are paying for a movie ticket in some theaters. And then you, you you walk that back, and then you do it again with this, and I don't the know thing, what. The thing that kind of bugged me about that was when I read up about it, it was thirty bucks, and you can unlock the movie, not permanently, for two days. You unlock it for like a couple days, yeah. It's like what the fuck. At least I pay thirty. If I'm gonna pay thirty dollars prescription service that I paid $10 a fucking month for. He's let me unlock it permanently. Give me the fucking movie. You're right. Yeah. Like, you you look at, like, when you rent movies on YouTube, you know, you drop, like, five, six bucks, you have it for a couple of days. That's, like, comparatively speaking, that's what, you know, my mom and dad would pay when they rented a video from like movies or us back home in Yorkton back in the day. That, that sort of model makes sense. Cause you either going to rent the movie if you don't see it at the theaters or you're, you're jolly well happy enough to wait to see it when you can rent it. And a lot of people are like that, but it's like, they do this as if they expecting this is the model that everyone's going to follow. And it isn't. It's nice that uh, you don't have to wait six months to a year for a movie to come out in a physical media the way it used to be way back in the day when we were all kids. But it's stuff like this is like you guys are trying to turducken the movie industry in some way. Like you expect this just to work because you think we're all just going to fall in lockstep. And I don't understand that. It's like the same thing with HBO Max. It's like they, well, not exactly the same thing. They you know, would put day one Wonder Woman. It was in theaters and it was on HBO Max. Cool. We've got options. But it's when Disney does that, it's like they're expecting everyone just to come to them. So. Yeah. That being said, I, I forget, Red. Did you see Shang-Chi? Did you ever see Shang-Chi? Yeah, I've seen Shang-Chi eventually. Did you enjoy it? Mm. Kind of, sort of. <laughs> it was, I don't know what the fuck they were trying to, to do. <laughs> That's I, fair. Yeah. Like, uh, Shang-Chi is supposed to be Bruce Lee. He's always been Bruce Lee since his conception. But they were trying to turn him into Jackie Chan, but not quite. They kind of turned him into like Jet Li and all these all these modern action stars, giving him like they try to like try they to please. They try to please China. And if I was in the fucking room when when they made this, I'd go. If you're trying to please China, keep him fucking Bruce Lee. Yeah. They fucking love Bruce Lee in China. Yeah. He's a fucking god there. Yeah, you're not wrong. The problem is, like you said, they tried to make him a little Jackie Chan, a little Jet Li, and it doesn't work because because each of these these actors are mainstays and staples for their own reason, for their own right, for their own style. Like, I brought it up before, but there's this fight scene in in the bus where Shang-Chi's trying to do... Jackie Chan's jacket trick, but he doesn't do it well. Yeah, and, and oh. that that was sorry. Go, go, go ahead, Red. There's also another thing, and it's in Hollywood, and it's one of the rules of Hollywood that has never been explained. It's it's an unwritten rule. In the 1950s, there's this actor that was Asian. And he was super fucking handsome. And, like, to the point where, in a time where people wouldn't do things like mill you their underwear or do women would do shit like that, that was happening to this guy. Like, it was over-the-top white women and all kind of, and women from all different fucking colors and races and cultures were just in love with this fucking actor. And jealous Hollywood stars 
put a stop to it. Zachary, I don't know his name. I wish I did, or else I'll tell you. I know the last movie he's ever done, and that was Kill Bill. He's in that. Is that Key Luke? Maybe. He's a Japanese actor, I think. But since then, Hollywood has an unwritten rule to never hire handsome Asian guys. Asian guys are always picked because they look like fucking either sidekicks or dummies or it's they just don't hire Asian handsome Asian guys. Yeah, wasn't key and, and if you're trying to please China, once again, the Chinese are very vain. They love their actors to be very good looking. And I'm sorry, but this guy does not look like Robert Downey Jr. He does not look like fucking Chris Evans. He's not somebody super fucking handsome and good looking to stand next to all these white actors who are super fucking handsome and good looking. He's, he's like better than average, but that's not great. You're not thinking of Sonny Chiba, are you, Red? No, Sonny Chiba's Chinese. Okay. Uh, yeah, I can't find that name right now. No, like, it's... The reason why he was put in Kill Bill is because Quentin Tarantino knew that rule and he knew that that shit and that guy was kind of like blacklisted from Hollywood and Quentin Tarantino being Quentin Tarantino wanted him in this fucking movie. Yeah. No, and, and they agree with you guys. Like, I, I really did enjoy Shang-Chi, but that kind of annoyed me too is like when the comics first came out and his dad was, you know, Fu Manchu and he was straight up is like, he was supposed to be like Bruce Lee from enter the dragon. And for many years, like all went, even up until I think the nineties, he was always drawn with the headband, the long hair, you know, half a karate gi on at any one time. And just not, not the most, uh, the best depiction. And then somewhere in like the mid nineties, they made him even more like Bruce Lee, but, more like Bruce Lee from that interview where where he said you be be like water, my friends. But that was thing they they took the broad strokes from Bruce Lee and Jackie Chan, Jet Li, Donnie Yen, probably. And they tried to make this some that they tried to fit the character into the Marvel mold, which isn't necessarily something you you should do because then you have. Oh, that was a solid double. It wasn't a home run the way everyone talks about Shang-Chi. And other stuff in the story, like, uh, you know, the Dweller in Darkness, which is like more of a Doctor Strange character from my, what my research has uh, shown me. Uh, they did give us one of the most empathetic Marvel villains in uh, Wen Wu. Honestly, one of my favorite parts, and I spoke about when we talked about the movie, one of my favorite parts thing where he talks about Ben Kingsley's Mandarin is like they are afraid of an orange and then they bring Trevor back and we have the delightful moments with Trevor but yeah it's you, you've got in, again it's going for that Chinese dollar because you want to have somebody that they're going to latch on to Marvel in phase four like they've they've had they've had some decent stuff this year this last year with you know WandaVision Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Loki, What If. It's all really good stuff. It's just not hitting all the buttons the way Marvel used to. But I'm going to ask you guys, like, straight up, what out of Phase 4, what is your favorite thing out of Phase 4 so far? Probably No Way Home. Yeah, I agree with that. Have you been to No Way Home yet, Red? Yeah, I've seen it. Yeah. I really didn't see that ending coming. Like, but I didn't realize until I saw the ending that, my God, he hasn't been the Peter Parker. Like, I knew it in the back of my mind, but, you know, you don't consciously realize something. Like, well, now he's Spider-Man because of everything that's happened. But, uh yeah. Outside of the big two, what 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 about just in general comics from the last year has stuck out for you guys? 
nothing really. It's 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 really hard to read these books when half the writers are in common, the other half have open contempt, contempt for their audience. Like. What contempt are you speaking of, Ben? Like, fuck, half the Marvel's current uh, bullpen's full of fucking, f fucking Tumblr writers that are... <laughs> Go ahead, Brad. The problem is what Ben's trying to describe is it's not comfortable. Like, when you read a comic, it's supposed to be escape. It's supposed to be comfort. It's supposed to be fantasy. Something you can read, enjoy yourself, and get away for a second. But the, a lot of the writers are lazy, and they try to put in modern-day fucking things that we're all dealing with. And you don't want to fucking put up with that. Like, I don't want to hear about BLM in my fucking comp, in my Superman comic. I'm sorry. I don't want to hear about the fucking riots. I don't want to hear... I, Superman doesn't have to be a fucking activist. I'm sorry. I know it's John Kent Superman. It still doesn't make it right. I want to see Superman having adventures on different planets and getting away from it all and and doing the right thing. Being fucking Superman. Even if it's John Kent Superman, I would still support it. But it's, it's not what it is. It's We got John Kent who... I don't give a shit if he's bisexual. It's a bad fucking way of doing it. Because it's obviously the kid's going to be his Lex Luthor. The guy he's fucking dating. You can see it a mile away. Yeah. It's just like oh. it's, it's just like someone looked at fucking Smallville and was like, oh, well, all this homoerotic tension. Let's just let's just dial that to 11. Yeah, I just realized. Uh, sorry to interrupt, Brett. I just realized. You know how they keep focusing on the headshots on the fact this guy has pink hair. How much money do you want to bet that somebody read that Silver Age comic where Superboy blew out the fire in Lex Luthor's lab and knocked those chemicals onto his head and gave him the permanent chrome dome? I swear I would put money down that they're going to resurrect that trope for no other reason to give John Kent his own Lex Luthor. It's not, it's not even a fucking bet, man. Um, like, no. And the problem with it is, is say what you will, we write for your audience. If you're doing a niche industry piece of fiction like comics, you write for the majority of your audience. And and I'm not saying that that representation in and of itself is a bad thing. What I will say is representation for the sake of doing it is a terrible thing. Um, it's make, too easy. Make, it's lazy. Make compelling characters first, I, and then the rest will follow. Don't try to like make a character that fits a like a certain little mold because then you're condescending to us, the audience. Go ahead, Red. It's not just that. It's just I'm tired of like modern day fucking things that everybody's pissed off about on Twitter or whatever, social media. I. It's been happening for the past five fucking years. Like, when Trump was fucking president, we had to deal with comics having these fake little fucking Trump allegory fucking villains that the ba the good guy had to fucking, instead of, you know, taking down the villain, the good guy had to preach about how better he was than this Trump allegory villain and blah, blah, blah. And it's still fucking going on. Yeah. Like, I hate that shit. Yeah. And the yeah. other the other part of it is, like I said, make a compelling character. The rest will follow if you make the character right. Because, and it, I don't like going into the statistics of things, but write for your audience. Write for who the majority of your audience is. And ignore the silent, ignore the loud minority, the, the vocal minority that... Talk about representation because the majority of those people who complain are never going to buy your books. Um, and again, I hate using statistics, but but the amount of people that are actually gay or bisexual or transsexual 
is less than 3% of the entire population. So why are all these books catering to 3% of the population? The majority of the 3% will never buy comics. Ignoring they're, the, they're the... catering because Disney owns fucking Marvel. Because okay. Time Warner owns fucking DC. And these are big corporate conglomerates. They don't give a flying fuck if you're gay or trans or anything. What they give a fuck about is when they turn on their fucking phone and they go to fucking Twitter and they hear the loudest voices. Yeah. Well, this must be popular. These are the what everybody's talking about. These are the voice. This is the voice of the generation. Let's write about that. And I do agree with you that you know to do it diversity for diversity's sake and all that. Yeah, it's it's lazy and it's trite and all that. I don't hate it as much as you guys because I think it's a necessary thing. Like. Because no, for many not. years, Ben, would you let me finish? Okay, fine. It's a necessary thing because any art form has to evolve in some respects. Because for how many decades now, it's comics have been written, drawn, and read by, you know, white guys and me, boys and men and girls to some extent. So you I that read you're that, a right. You hear that read you're a white guy. Okay, if no, you don't want to let me finish my fucking opinion, Ben. Okay. I'm just trying to say something that's been going this long like this. It It's a necessary shot in the arm because you need to evolve. You need to evolve your thinking. You need to evolve your storytelling. This this Something like this is necessary, but the it's an overreach the way it's been done the last few years. They are trying to do this so hard, so fast and smother the landscape and all this stuff. So if any one voice rises up and say, oh, I don't like this, then they can point you and say, you're part of the problem, not part of the solution. It's, it's an overcorrection to the nth degree. Well, I think change is needed in any medium. It's just what they're doing. They're going about it the wrong way. Well, I just want to point out that that DC and Marvel have had gay characters in the comics since the 80s, and when they did it sparingly, no one gave a fuck. No one protested against them. Like that fucking what's his name? The guy from Alpha Flight was gay since the 80s. North Star. Yes, exactly. And if you do it in a way that you don't make it a big shining beacon light on it and the character is just oh yeah i'm just gay and you don't fucking draw attention to it you don't fucking give yourself kudos and and attaboys about it people don't get upset about it um you know in the universe of this when when they introduced the modern batwoman um kathy kane um they you know dc did a press junket they they did press tours they they did all these fucking uh, news releases about how she's gay and and they talked shit all about her her character about how she's bruce wayne's cousin they didn't talk about her military training they didn't talk about anything that would make the character even remotely interesting they talked about the fact that she's gay more than anything else and it's and it's because they didn't have much with that character um is there potential for the character? Of course there's potential for the character. Like I said, the things I mentioned, the military training, the fucking how she's Bruce Wayne's cousin. There's there's things there that could work if worked properly. The fact that her the fact that her dad fucking hates Thomas Wayne. Uh, there there's lots of there's lots of stuff there that could have worked. It just didn't because they cared more about the attaboys and, and the and you know, you know the internet saying congratulations than doing a good story and and stories always going to be not even first, not even second, it's gonna be third or fourth when the attaboys, when 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 the clout is is first on the list. And that's just the truth because usually second is is a writer being is a writer's ego story is third or fourth now 
and that's how it's always going to be now because because people think well we have to make progress somehow I don't think that's always going to be like that but it's going to be like this for the long haul and, and you'll find that uh, I have less and less to talk about modern comics the longer this haul goes I've never been a fan of uh, can't think of a word when somebody's hired for their race diversity hire not a diversity hire it was something that was popular in the 90s, long before the shit, long before what we have today. Affirmative action? Affirmative action is part of it, yes. Like, I don't want to be hired because my skin is brown. If Jake, let's put it this way, if JT's a better writer than I am, but I get the fucking job because I'm native and JT doesn't get the job because he's white what does that make me that doesn't make me a better fucking person you're right and i see a lot of that shit happening today where marvel's just hiring people because of their skin color or not marvel all of the fucking companies are Yeah, it's, it's really bad, or they hire them to do specific books because of their skin color. Great example of this is, uh, is Marvel comic writer uh, Christopher Priest left Marvel because, you know what books they kept on giving him? They're like, oh, you, why don't you write some more Black Panther? Hey, why don't you write some Luke Cage? And he's like, and, and he's like really fucking insulted, like, I can do other things. Yes, I'm black, but I want to do other things. He, you know what he, he left Marvel to write? He left Marvel to write Vampirella. Mm-hmm. Because he wanted to fucking write Vampirella. And because he, he also specifically said in an interview, because he didn't want to be the black Marvel comic guy. He didn't want to be the token but... black comic writer. He wanted to be a good comic writer first. Like Red said, like what the what I hate about it is the segregation that's happening in comics today. Yes, but not only that is how people are proud of it. It's like I'm I'm Korean and I it's all I write is Korean characters. Yeah, Yay fuck me. you, Greg Peck. Or there was that one fucking comic with the Native American, the voices of Marvel or whatever. They literally hired a dude from my city where I live to draw and write a fucking comic, which that was the comic where Echo and Miss Marvel, well, Captain Marvel, show up in there. And they're both drawn real fucking ugly, and it's just a bad fucking drawing. The comic is badly fucking drawn. But he was hired just to draw this fucking thing for Marvel about Native Americans and dumped. Never seen another fucking comic from him again. That was two years ago. Yeah. And how do you think he feels to to know that he was used just for, you know, you know, some just some diversity points for the company? And as soon as he his usefulness was gone, he's gone. Like I said, it's I, I, I point again to Christopher Priest, like. Like, I give him lots of kudos. I don't think he's the greatest writer ever, but I think he's a talented fucking writer. And I think with the amount of time he had at Marvel, he should have been able to write any book he wanted. He shouldn't have been regulated to the black Marvel comic writer. That's fucking insulting. While while others, like Greg Pak, are, are happily the Korean Marvel comic writer. Happily. Which is a shame because I remember he did a run in Hulk that some people like. I, I never read it, but I've heard that it, from some readers that it was pretty good. Like, why why is why is a guy who apparently did an okay Hulk run regulated to the Korean Marvel comic writer? Why can't he be like just a good comic writer? I think he's a great comic writer. I mean, what? what he's done with the agents of Atlas and, you know, creating this world of Asian based heroes for Marvel. Yeah. It's diversity again, but you know, it's, 
again, something maybe that was needed. I I think a lot of the discussion with diversity and having all these like you know different characters like this that were they were never there they were there before but they weren't noticeable. And I'm not saying that about us, but it's certainly about other people. It's like a lot of people find this uncomfortable for some reason, and I, I, I can't. Do. And well, yeah, and that's how you feel, and that's valid. It's just well, that you, doesn't mean what they're doing isn't valid or unnecessary well, either. Ben. Well, let me let me talk about Agents of Atlas specifically because, um, on paper, in, in, in Marvel's stupid fucking short-sighted, bigoted worldview. Uh, Not Ages everything's of, written by Jeff Loeb, then, just saying. I'm just saying, in, in Marvel's bigoted worldview, Ages of Atlas is a book that someone, that I am their prime demographic. And I think it's fucking garbage. I think it's insulting. I think it's awful. Because the book starts with uh, with all these Asian characters sitting around the table. And, and uh, fucking whoever the guy who's fucking leading the team holds out an Asian pair. And they all argue, no, it's a Korean pair. No, it's a Chinese pair. No, it's a Japanese pair. And it's like, number one, no. Asians won't argue about the etymology of a fucking pair. Um, number two, uh, there's a scene where they all, like after a battle, go to the base and they nosh on, on some spam and fried rice. And uh, the only thing I say to that, let's say you have a Marvel book with all black characters and... He's like, oh, let, let's let's have them hang out and basically fried chicken and watermelon. And then they have Christopher, Christopher Priest write it so we can hide behind the shield of, oh, a black guy wrote it. <laughs> like, I'm sorry, Greg Pack. You know what you fucking did. And, um, and... The other telling thing is the book is Korean heavy. Like there's six Korean team members of Agents of Atlas. You have a Hawaiian goddess, who I don't even know even really exists. Um, you have uh, Miss Marvel in there for a couple books, and you have uh, a couple other characters. But it's Korean heavy, and all the Korean characters that are in there, other than Silk, came from a fucking mobile game that was released in Asia. Actually, a lot of those characters are available in the mobile games in North America, too, Ben. My point still remains that uh, that basically they're like, let's fucking mine all of Marvel's fucking properties and get as many Korean characters as possible. It'd be like uh, it'd be like if Marvel decided, let's do a book where we have all native characters. And they mined all their fucking native characters and put them in one book together. Oh, speaking of that. The most recent X-Men, Trial of Magneto. Did they fucking do this? Uh, no, they did something cringy, though. Uh, the whole fucking point of Trial of Magneto is to bring back characters that were too far gone, like, before Xavier started the whole fucking I'm going to copy your mind program. Yeah, because one of the... Because one Sorry. of the things I pointed, I wanted, I always pointed out whenever I talked about this, about their whole resurrecting mutants thing, is where the fuck was John Proudstar? Like one of the original fucking X Men that died in like issue three or something like that. Guess who they brought back and they made it a big fucking deal. And I remember John Prowser being a huge motherfucker looking like fucking T-Hawk from Street Fighter. Yes. And then he comes back as a skinny fucking crackhead looking dude. <laughs> yeah, that that the end of Trial Magneto just that they have all this bullshit about like the whole, we, we don't resurrect somebody who isn't a mutant. And then they very clearly said a few years ago in like the third volume of Uncanny Avengers that uh, Pietro and Wanda are not mutants. They're highly evolved humans who have been, you know, worked on by the high evolutionary. Potato, potato. I've got a point, Ben, if I could finish before you start talking shit. 
Okay. And then they bring her back, but then they somehow never bring up the fact that she isn't a mutant and the X-Men just let it go when throughout the rest of the X-Books, whenever resurrection protocols are brought up, they're, they're very specific about this shit, but they just hand wave it. And it's like, can you guys just tell a coherent story? Like you, you can't do one thing over here and do something completely different over there and expect people not to question what the fuck is going on. On top of that, the fact the, the <laughs> resurrection protocols are now apparently going to be exposed to the world by Ben Urich because he's found out about them and he's the last issue of X-Men ended with him giving Cyclops 24 hours to uh, you know, make some sort of comment before they publish that story. Well, but they kind of, ahead. like they didn't say it, but they kind of hinted that Wanda was a mutant back then. Oh, God, my head hurts. <laughs> I don't know if it was them trying to be meta with Marvel retcons and shit like that. And it's like, we're bringing back Wanda when she was a mutant. And the other thing I want to bring up about this is, is the, the whole X-Book thing is they were trying to do this thing about we're building an empire and then we're going to see the empire fall. That was the whole point of this whole House of X bullshit. And... What happened was, and Red put it best a couple of uh, months ago, the fucking editors fell in love with the idea of a perpetual prom night. So they wanted to see more of the prom than getting to the fucking night after the prom when everything goes to shit. Like, the whole trial of Magneto was supposed to be the start of things going to shit. And then they're like, nope, it's fixed. It's good. We're, we're good now. The prom can continue, everybody. The prom can continue. And it's like, you can't have a book where everything is perpetually at the rise. You have to get to the fall. It's been three fucking years. Get to the fall. Have everything fall apart. Have them go back to the fucking expansion at the end of it with a team that's like the fucking Claremont run. Like, we know you're going to do as soon as this fucking arc is over. Just get to the fucking firework factory. If I had a chance to write any fucking thing in here, I'd have John Proudstar come back, look at this fucking island and go, dude, I've been raised on an Indian reservation. I don't want to fucking live on a mutant Indian reservation. <laughs> yeah. Like I said before, and I'll say it again, I find what they're doing with X-Men interesting. I, you know, I can see the flaws in it. It's, if they only had one or two titles or even two titles, like you have X-Men and then you have X-World and dealing, like have rotating arcs with, you know, two or three issues of you follow the Marauders or X-Force or X-Factor, which is like the mutant coroner office now, you know, just keep it small. And that would have kept the focus on it and the interest there. But you, you spread they've spread it out so much that all we want now like red said we want them to go back to westchester we want them to go back to this you know xavier school for gifted children it's like you guys have like one kid and everyone else is a full-grown adult we're still learning which is something i always found to myself oddly hilarious that you know they're we're, we're a school for gifted youngsters the youngest one here is 35 <laughs> So the other thing I want to add to this, is while, we're while we're talking about this uh, this horrible example of diversity and representation, um, was it Dan Slott who was running Fantastic Four where they did that cringy issue where the mole men became uh, Indians? Yes. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not going to argue that point. I don't need to have that headache right now. What, what were you going to argue, JT? Uh, just saying they didn't become Indians. They were adopted by the tribe, and it was the Moloids, not the Mole Man. Okay. Um, but they were wearing, like, deer skins and cowboy hats and shit, like uh, 
they were wearing actual clothes, not deerskins, Ben. What? They were I know you this, don't they like were, they, they were, they were, they were Red saw the issue. Were, were, they, were some of them wearing deerskins? They were in jean jackets. I don't know what jean, deerskins. I, I remember seeing... I'm not going to fucking look at this book again. But <laughs> but but the point remains is, is it was a cringy-ass issue. Yes. And... It was something published in... 2020 that should have been published in 1930. <laughs> I, would, I would easily expect this comic to have shown up in the old fucking Green Arrow, Green Lantern fucking title. On the behalf of my red brethren, you must die. Um, anyways, uh, yeah, this, this book was cringy and uh, and just the whole Dan Slott run in Fantastic Four was just so fucking cringy. Like, the whole thing with fucking... What's her name? The fucking bird lady? Um, I don't even remember what she's called. Exactly. Um, You're not a mutant, Franklin. Because we don't want the X-Men and the Fantastic Four to fight. So you're not a mutant. It's it's that that whole thing is ridiculous because like so many people are what is a mute, mutant? It is a human that is born with with a with a mutation that gives them abilities. Oh, Go ahead, Red. That's what disappoints me the most is it's supposed to be Xavier's dream to teach people that fucking mutants are human that we're all one people. That's Xavier's fucking dream, and they just threw it away. Yeah, because now they're fucking mutant supremacist thing. You aren't mutant. You aren't good enough for the island. You aren't good enough for Krakoa. So, so I'm just you. wondering where that turn happened. That you know, it's the humans are mutants or humans who have the X gene that gives them this extra power. But the way they talk about mutants nowadays is once you become a mutant, it's like outside of any physical mutations they act as if they're a completely separate form of life. Like they've got three hearts and 18 livers or something like that. And I think the message has been lost in all the noise about everyone just wants to exist and live in harmony with everyone else. But yeah, now we have, uh, I, I can't wait until we figure out how everyone's like, Sure, mutants are all living together, and a lot of mutants might want to live there. But like, there's like the Mutant Liberation Front, uh, any number of the villains who already breaking bad. Like Shadow King tried to corrupt like a bunch of young mutants, and he's been put in his place or sent into exile, where the island opens up and swallows you whole, like they did with the uh, Sabretooth in the early days of this run. The Sarlacc Pit. Yeah, it's basically yeah, the mut the mutant Sarlacc Pit, and eventually that's going to come out of like the inferno storyline right now with you know mystique uh running a game on the quiet council which is the ruling body of krakoa and has gotten destiny cloned and brought back but she hasn't like straight out told everyone about moira so you know that's still got to drop and i just can't like i said before i like the idea here i like a lot of what they've been doing but i can't wait to see this house of cards go down in fucking flames because you know that's the only way this story could end properly eventually it's but again the the editors love the fucking prom we're going to have another year at least of the fucking prom because the trial of Magneto was supposed to be the start of the fall. And guess what? They fucking shat the bear like, no, we want the prom. We want more fucking prom. Yeah. I really don't know what else we can say about that. Also, I think I've been talking a little too loudly. My, I can practically feel the stares from my roommates. Ah, well. That's normal. Okay. So, we rambled a bit. Uh, anyone else have any other uh, topics? I mentioned the new Mortal Kombat movie earlier. I gave it a rewatch about a month ago. I think it's 
it's not unfairly maligned, but I think there's a lot more heart to it than a lot of people have given uh, have given it. I, I'm not saying unfairly, but I think people should maybe give it another chance. And if you still don't like it, that's cool. But, you know, I think people were a little too quick to judge on that. Like a lot of stuff, you know, when I've seen people talking about Marvel Phase 4, it's the, they took one look at, oh, this is the greatest thing ever. Oh, that sucked and blah, blah, blah. And I think overall, over the last year, a lot of stuff that, you know, I've taken looks back at comics that I love. I know I loved growing up in the 90s. I read them now and I was like, this doesn't make any goddamn sense. But I I think people should just kind of unclench and take it a little easy when, you know, try new things. Like we were talking before about, you know, diversity and being forced on us like this, which it isn't a bad thing, but... You know, I think everyone should take a step back, you know, look at it for what it is. Is this really something that is so egregious or is it you just don't like it for purposes of the story? And that's what I'm going to try and do this year is like I'm going to try and take things a lot more in stride than I have. And I would hope other people follow that. Because we're already wound up tight enough as it is. We don't need to take... Uh, we don't need to lose uh, our goddamn minds any more than we already have. Well, that's a nice sentiment. Um, any last thoughts, Red? I'm just tired of tokenism. I hope this fucking phase of writing will end soon. Amen. Preach. Amen. So... This is our Ramble episode. We sort of got on to diversity in comics for some fucking reason. Uh, this is your host, Ben. JT from Saskatoon. Right. We're saying goodnight. So long. Peace out.